Chapter Eight of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Five by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. François Germain although the features of germain could not be styled regular it was scarcely possible to see a more interesting countenance there was an air of ease and elegance about him while his slight graceful figure plain but neatly arranged dress consisting of a pair of grey trousers and black frock-coat buttoned up to the chin formed a striking contrast to the slovenliness and neglect to which the occupants of the prison generally gave themselves up his white hands and well-trimmed nails evinced an attention to his personal appearance which had still further excited the ill-will of the prisoners against him for bodily neglect is almost invariably the accompaniment of moral perversion he wore his long and naturally curling chestnut hair parted on one side of his forehead according to the fashion of the day a style that well became his pale and melancholy countenance and large clear blue eyes beaming with truth and candour his smile at once sweet and mournful expressed benevolence of heart mingled with a habitual dejection for though young the unfortunate youth had already deeply tasted affliction nothing could be imagined more touching than the look of suffering impressed on his features while the gentle and resigned cast of his whole physiognomy was but a fair transcript of the mind within for a better purer or more upright heart could scarcely have beaten in human form the very cause of his imprisonment divested of the calumnious aggravations affixed to it by jacques ferrand proved the goodness of his nature and left him worthy of blame only for suffering himself to be led astray to his feelings to commit an action decidedly wrong but still excusable if it be remembered that the son of madame georges felt perfectly sure of replacing on the following morning the sum temporarily taken from the notary's cash-box for the purpose of saving morel the lapidary from being dragged from his family and confined in a prison germain coloured slightly as he perceived through the grating of the visitor's room the bright and charming countenance of rigolette who strove as usual to appear gay in hopes of encouraging and enlivening her protege a little but the poor girl was too bad a dissembler to conceal the sorrow and agitation she invariably experienced upon entering the prison she was seated on a bench at the outside of the grating holding her straw basket on her lap instead of remaining in the adjoining passage from whence every word could be heard the old turnkey retired to the stove placed at the very extremity of the visiting-room closed his eyes and in a very few seconds was as his breathing announced fast asleep leaving germain and rigolette at perfect liberty to converse at their ease now then monsieur germain cried the grisette placing her pretty face as closely as she could to the grate the better to examine the features of her friend let me see what sort of a countenance you have got to-day and whether it is less sad than it was humph humph only middling now do you know that i've a great mind to be very angry with you oh no you are too good for that but how very kind of you to come again so soon so soon does it seem to you so soon you mean by those words to reproach me for coming so frequently well have i not good cause to find fault with you for taking so much pains and trouble for me while i alas can merely thank you for all your goodness that is a little mistake of yours my fussy friend because the little services in my power to render you afford me quite as much pleasure as they do you so that you see i am as much bound to say thank you for all favours as you are so you see i am not to be cheated that way and now i think of it the best way to punish you for such very improper ideas will be not to give you what i have brought for you what another proof of your thoughtful care of me 
oh you spoil me you do indeed i shall be fit for nothing but to be somebody's pet when if ever alas i get out of prison a thousand thanks nay you must pardon my using that word although it does displease you but indeed you leave me nothing else to say ah but don't be in such a hurry to thank me before you even know what i have brought why what do i care what it is well i'm sure that's very civil monsieur germain nay i only meant to say that be it what it may it must needs be dear and precious to me since it comes from you oh mademoiselle rigolette your unwearied kindness your touching sympathy fills me with the deepest gratitude and-and but finding it impossible to conclude the sentence germain cast down his eyes and remained silent well said rigolette and what else and devotion stammered out germain why could you have not said respect as people write at the end of a letter asked rigolette impatiently ah but i know very well that was not what you were going to say else why did you stop all of a sudden i assure you there don't endeavour to assure me of anything i can see you are blushing through this grating now why can't you speak out and tell me every thought and wish of your heart am i not your true and faithful friend as well as old companion continued the grisette timidly for she but waited the confession of germain's love for her to tell him frankly and sincerely how truly she returned his affection with a passion as true and as generous as his own i assure you mademoiselle rigolette said the poor prisoner with a sigh that i had nothing else to say and that i am concealing nothing whatever from you for shame for shame cried rigolette stamping her foot don't tell such stories now look here continued she drawing a large white woollen neck wrapper from her basket do you see this beautiful thing well i brought it on purpose for you but now to punish you for being so deceitful and sly i will not give it to you i knitted it on purpose for you too for said i it must be so damp and cold in those yards in the prison and this nice soft woollen handkerchief is just the thing to keep him warm he is so delicate and is it possible you yes sir i said you were delicate and so you are cried rigolette interrupting him i suppose i may recollect if i please how chilly you used to be of an evening though all the time you tried to conceal it that you might hinder me from putting more wood on my fire when you came to sit with me i've got a good memory i can tell you so don't contradict me and so have i replied germain in a voice of deep feeling far too good for my present position and with these words he passed his hand across his eyes now then i declare i believe you are falling into low spirits again though i so strictly forbade it how is it possible for me to avoid being moved even to tears when i recollect all you have done for me ever since i entered this prison and is not your last kind attention another proof of your amiable care for me and do i not know that you are obliged to work at night to make up for the time it occupies for you to visit me in my misfortunes and that on my account you impose additional labour and fatigue on yourself oh if that be all you have to be miserable about i beg you will make very short work of it truly i deserve a great deal of pity for taking a nice refreshing walk two or three times a week just to see a friend i who so dearly love walking and having a good stare at all the pretty shops as i come along 
and see to-day too what weather you have ventured out in such wind and rain oh it is too selfish of me to permit you thus to sacrifice your health for me oh bless you the wind and rain only make the walk more amusing you have no idea what very droll sights one sees first comes a party of men holding on their hats with both hands to prevent the storm from carrying them away then you see an unfortunate individual with his umbrella blown inside out making the most ludicrous grimaces and shutting his eyes while the wind drives him about like a peg-top i declare all the way i came along this morning it was more diverting than going to a play i thought i should make you laugh by telling you of it but there you are looking more dull and solid and serious than ever pray forgive me if i cannot be as mirthful as your kind heart would have me you know i never have what is styled high spirits and just now i feel it impossible even to affect them rigolette was very desirous of concealing that spite of her lively prattle she was to the full as sad and heavy-hearted as germain himself could be she therefore hastened to change the conversation by saying you say it is impossible for you to conquer your low spirits but there are other things you choose to style impossibilities i have begged and prayed of you to do because i very well know you could if you chose what do you mean i mean your obstinate avoidance of all the other prisoners and never speaking to one of them the turnkey has just been talking to me about it and he says that for your own sake you ought to associate with them a little i am sure it would not do you any harm you do not speak it is always the way i see very well you will never be satisfied till these dreadful men have played you some dangerous trick in revenge you know not the horror with which they inspire me any more than you can guess the personal reasons i have for avoiding and execrating them and all who resemble them indeed but i do know your reasons i read the accounts you wrote for me and which i went to fetch away from your lodgings after your imprisonment from them i learned all the dangers you had incurred upon your arrival in paris because when you were in the country you refused to participate in the crimes of the bad man who had brought you up and that it was in consequence of the last snare they laid to catch you that you quitted the rue du temple without telling any one but me where you had gone to and i read something else too in those papers said rigolette casting down her eyes while a bright blush dyed her cheeks i read things that-that you would never have known i solemnly declare exclaimed germain eagerly had it not been for the misfortune which befell me but let me ask you to be as generous as you are good forget and pardon my past follies my insane hopes tis true in times past i ventured to indulge such dreams wild and unfounded as they were rigolette had endeavoured a second time to draw a confession of his love from the lips of germain by alluding to those tender and passionate effusions written by him and dedicated to the remembrance of the grisette for whom as we have before stated he had always felt the sincerest affection but the better to preserve the confiding familiarity with which he was treated by his pretty neighbour he concealed his regard under the semblance of friendship rendered more timid and sensitive by imprisonment he could not for an instant believe it possible for rigolette to reciprocate the attachment of a poor prisoner like himself whose character was moreover tarnished by so foul an accusation as he laboured under while previous to this calamity she had never manifested more than a sisterly interest in him the grisette finding herself so little understood stifled a sigh 
and awaited with hopeful eagerness a better opportunity of opening the eyes of germain to the real state of her heart she contented herself therefore with merely replying to be sure it is quite natural the sight of these wicked men should fill you with horror and disgust but that is no reason for your exposing yourself to unnecessary dangers i assure you that in order to follow your advice i have endeavoured to force myself to converse with such as seem the least depraved among them but you can form no notion what dreadful men they are or what shocking language they talk i dare say they do poor unfortunate creatures it must be horrid to hear them but there is something more terrible than that the getting gradually used to the disgusting conversations which in spite of yourself you are compelled to hear all day long yes i am sorry to say i now hear with gloomy indifference horrible remarks and speeches that would have excited my utmost indignation when i first came here so you see continued germain bitterly i begin to be more afraid of myself than i am of them oh monsieur germain i am sure of it pursued the unfortunate young man after a residence within a prison in company with such as are always to be found assembled there the mind becomes accustomed to guilty thoughts in the same manner as the ear gets inured to the coarse and vulgar expressions continually in use oh god i can well believe how possible it is to enter these walls innocent of the crimes ascribed to one and to leave them with principles utterly and irretrievably perverted but you never could be so changed oh no not you i me and others twenty times better than myself alas alas those who condemn men to this fearful association little think that they expose their fellow-creatures to breathe an air laden with the direst moral contagion and inevitably fatal to every right or honourable feeling pray do not go on so you know not how you grieve me nay i but wish to explain to you why i am daily more and more melancholy i wish not to have said so much but i have only one way of repaying the pity you have evinced for me pity pity indeed pardon me for interrupting you but the only way by which i can acquit myself towards you is to speak with perfect candour and with shuddering alarm i confess that i am no longer the same person i was in vain do i fly these unfortunate wretches their very presence their contact seems to take effect on me in spite of myself i seem to feel a fatal influence in breathing the same atmosphere as though the moral pestilence entered at every pore and rested not till it had mingled with the heart's blood should i even be acquitted on my trial the very sight of and association with good and virtuous men would cover me with shame and confusion for though i have not yet been able to find pleasure in the society of my companions i have at least learned to dread the day when i shall again mix with persons of respectability because now i am conscious of my weakness and cowardice for is it not he guilty of both who dares to make a compromise with his duties or his honesty and have i not done so when i first came here i did not deceive myself as to the extent of my fault however excusable the circumstances under which it was committed might have seemed to make it but now it appears to me an offence of a trifling description when compared with the crimes of which the robbers and murderers by whom i am surrounded make daily boast 
and i sometimes surprise myself envying their audacious indifference and blaming myself with my own weak regrets for so insignificant an action and so it was an insignificant action far more generous than wrong why what did you do but borrow for a few hours a sum of money you knew you could replace on the following morning and that too not for yourself but to save a whole family from ruin perhaps death that matters not it was a theft in the eyes of the law and all honest men doubtless it is better to rob with a good motive than a bad one but it is a fearful thing to be obliged to seek an excuse for oneself by comparing one's guilt with that of persons far beneath ourselves i can no longer venture to compare my actions with those of upright persons consequently then i am compelled to institute a comparison between myself and the degraded beings with whom i live so that i plainly perceive in the end the conscience becomes hardened and is put to sleep the next theft i commit probably without the prospect of replacing the money but from mere cupidity i might still find an excuse for myself by comparing my conduct with that of a man who adds murder to theft and yet at this moment there is as great a difference between me and a murderer as there is between a person of untainted character and myself so because there are beings a thousand times more degraded and debased than i am by degrees my own degradation would become diminished in my estimation instead of being able to say as i once could i am as honest a man as any i meet with i shall be obliged to content myself with saying i am the least guilty of the vile wretches among whom i am condemned for ever to live oh do not say for ever once released from this place what should i gain even then the lost creatures by whom i am surrounded are perfectly well acquainted with my person and were i even to be set free i am exposed to the chance of meeting them again and being hailed as a prison associate and even though the fact of my imprisonment might be unknown these unprincipled beings would be for ever threatening me to divulge it thereby holding me completely in their power by bands too firm for me to hope to break while on the other hand had i been kept confined in my cell until my trial they would have known nothing of me or i of them so that i should have escaped the fears which may paralyze my best resolutions and besides had i been permitted to contemplate my fault in the solitude of my cell instead of decreasing in my eyes its enormity would have appeared still greater and in the same proportion would the expiation i proposed to make have been augmented and as my sin grew more and more apparent to my unbiased view so also would my earnest determination to atone for it by every means my humble sphere afforded have been strengthened for well i know it takes a hundred good deeds to efface the recollection of one bad but how can i ever expect to turn my thoughts towards expiating a crime which scarcely awakens in me the smallest remorse i tell you again and i feel what i say that i seem acting under some irresistible influence against which i have long and fruitlessly struggled i was brought up for evil and alone friendless and powerless to resist i yield to my destiny what matters it whether that destiny be accomplished by honest or dishonest means yet heaven knows my thoughts and intentions were ever pure and upright and i felt the greater satisfaction in the possession of an unsullied reputation from recollection of all the attempts that had been made to lead me to a life of infamy and mine has been a course of infinite difficulty while seeking to free myself from the odious wretches who wished to degrade me and render me as vile as themselves 
but what avails my having been a person of unblemished honour and unspotted reputation what am i now oh dreadful dreadful contrast exclaimed the unhappy prisoner in an agony of tears and sobs which drew a plenteous shower of sympathising drops from the tender-hearted grisette who guided by her natural right-mindedness her woman's wit as well as warmed by her deep affection for germain clearly perceived that although as yet her protege had lost none of the scrupulous notions of honour and probity he had ever entertained yet that he spoke truly when he expressed his dread that the day might come when he would behold with guilty indifference those words and actions he now shuddered even to think of drying her eyes therefore and addressing germain who was still leaning his forehead against the grating she said in a voice and manner more touchingly serious than germain had ever before observed listen to me germain i shall not perhaps be able to express myself as i could wish for i am not a good speaker like you but what i do say is uttered in all sincerity and truth but first i must tell you you have no right to call yourself alone and friendless oh think not i can ever forget all your generous compassion has induced you to do to serve me just now when you used the word pity i did not interrupt you but now that you repeat the word or at least one quite as bad i must tell you quite plainly that i feel neither pity nor compassion for you but quite a different stay i will try and explain myself as well as i can while we were next-door neighbours i felt for you all the regard due to one i esteemed as a friend and brother we mutually aided each other you shared with me all your sunday amusements and i did my very best to look as well and be as gay and entertaining as i could in order to show how much i was gratified so there again we were quits quits oh no no i now do hold your tongue and let me speak i'm sure you have had all the talk to yourself this long while when you were obliged to quit the house we lodged in i felt more sorrow at your departure than i had ever done before is it possible yes indeed for all the persons who had lived in your apartments were careless creatures whom i did not care a pin for while you from the very first of our acquaintance seemed just the sort of person i wanted to be my neighbour because you could understand that i wished us to be good friends and nothing more then you were so ready to pass all your spare time with me teaching me to write giving me good advice a little serious to be sure but all the better for that you were ever kind and good yet never presumed upon it in any way and even when compelled to change your lodging you confided to me a secret you would not have trusted to any one else the name of your new abode and that made me so proud and happy to think you should have so much reliance on the silence and friendship of a giddy girl like myself i used to think of you so constantly that at last every other person seemed to be banished from my recollection and you alone to occupy my memory pray don't turn away as if you did not believe me you know i always speak the truth indeed indeed i can scarcely believe that you were kind enough thus to remember me oh but i did though and i should have been very ungrateful had i acted otherwise sometimes i used to say to myself Monsieur germain is the very nicest young man i know though he is rather too serious at times but never mind that if i had a friend whom i wished to be very very happy when she was married i certainly should recommend her marrying Monsieur germain who would make just such a husband as a good wife deserves to meet with you remembered me then it seems for the sake of bestowing me on another murmured poor germain almost involuntarily yes and i should have been delighted to have helped you to obtain a good wife 
because i felt a real and friendly interest in your happiness you see i speak without any reserve you know i never could disguise my thoughts well i can but thank you for caring enough about me even to wish to dispose of me in marriage to one of your acquaintances this was the state of things when your troubles came upon you and you sent me that poor dear letter in which you acquainted me with what you styled your fault but which to an ignorant mind like my own seemed a noble and generous action that letter directed me to go and fetch away your papers among which i found the confession of your love for me a love you had never ventured to reveal and there too continued rigolette unable longer to restrain her tears i learned that kindly considering my future prospects illness or want of employ might render so distressing you wished in the event of your dying a violent death as your fears foretold might be the case to secure to me the trifle you had accumulated by industry and care i did and surely if during my lifetime you had been overtaken by sickness or any other misfortune you would sooner have accepted assistance from me than from any other living creature would you not i flattered myself so at least tell me tell i was right that to me you would have turned for succour and support as to any true and devoted friend of course i should who else should i have thought of in any hour of need or sorrow but you monsieur germain thanks thanks your words fall like healing drops upon my heart and console me for all i have suffered but how shall i attempt to describe to you what i felt while reading that oh it is a dreadful word to utter that will each word of which breathed only care and solicitude for my future welfare and yet these tender touching proofs of your sincere regard were to have been concealed from me till your death surely it was not strange that conduct so generous and delicate should at once have converted my feelings towards you into those of an affection sincere and fervent as your own for me that is easily understood is it not monsieur germain the large dark eyes of rigolette were fixed on germain with an expression so earnest and tender her sweet voice pronounced the simple confession of her love in a tone so touchingly true to nature that germain who had never for one instant flattered himself with having awakened so warm an interest in the heart of the grisette gazed on her for an instant in utter inability to believe the words he heard then as the bright beaming look he encountered conveyed the truth to his mind his colour varied from deepest red to deadly pale he cried out in a voice quivering with emotion can it be do i hear right ah repeat those dear words that i may feel convinced of their reality why should i hesitate to assure you again and again that when i learned your kind consideration for me and remembered how miserable and wretched you were i no longer felt for you the calm feelings of friendship and certainly monsieur germain added rigolette smilingly while a rosy blush mantled her intelligent features if i had a friend now i wished to see well married i should be very sorry indeed to recommend her choosing you because because you would marry me yourself exclaimed the delighted young man you compel me to tell you so myself since you will not ask it of me can this be possible it is not from not having put you in the direct path more than once to make you understand but you will not take a hint and so sir i am compelled to confess the thing myself it is wrong perhaps but as there is no one but yourself to reprove my boldness i have less fear and then added rigolette in a more serious tone and with tender emotion 
you just now appeared to me so greatly overcome so despairing that i could no longer repress my feelings and i had vanity enough to believe that this avowal frankly made and from my heart would prevent you from being unhappy in future i said to myself until now i had been able to amuse or comfort him ah mon dieu what is the matter exclaimed rigolette seeing germain conceal his face in his hands is not this cruel she added whatever i do whatever i say you are still as wretched as ever and that is being too unkind too selfish it is as if it were you only who suffered from sorrows alas what misery is mine exclaimed germain with despair you love me when i am no longer worthy of you not worthy of me why how you can talk so absurdly it is just as if i said that i was not formerly worthy of your friendship because i had been in prison for after all i have been a prisoner also but am i the less an honest girl but you were in prison because you were a poor forsaken girl whilst i alas what a difference well then as to prison we shall neither of us ever have anything to reproach each other with it is i who am the more ambitious of the two for in my position i have no right to think of any person but a workman for my husband i was a foundling and have nothing but my small apartment and my good spirits and yet i come and boldly offer myself to you as a wife alas formerly such a destiny would have been the dream the happiness of my life but now i am under the odium of an infamous accusation and should i take advantage of your excessive generosity your commiseration which no doubt misleads you no no but exclaimed rigolette with pained impatience i tell you that it is not pity i feel for you it is love i think of you only i no longer sleep or eat your sad and gentle countenance follows me everywhere can that be pity only now when you speak to me your voice your look go to my very heart there are a thousand things in you now which please me and which i had not before marked i like your face i like your eyes your appearance your disposition your good heart is that pity why after having loved you as a friend do i love you as a lover i cannot say why was i light and gay when i liked you as a friend why am i quite a different being now i love you as a lover i do not know why i have been so slow in finding you at once handsome and good in loving you at once with eyes and heart i cannot say or rather yes i can it is because i have discovered how much you love me without having told me of it how generous and devoted you were then love mounted from my heart to my eyes as a tear does when the heart is softened really i seem to be in a dream when i hear you speak thus and i never could have believed that i could have told you all this but your despair has forced me to it well sir now you know i love you as my friend my lover as my husband will you still call it pity the generous scruples of germain were overcome in an instant before this plain and devoted confession a hopeful joy prevailed over his painful reflections you love me he cried i believe you your accent your look everything proclaims it i will not ask how i have merited such happiness but i abandon myself to it blindly my life my whole life will not suffice to pay my debt to you 
oh i have greatly suffered already but this moment effaces all then you will be comforted at last oh i was sure i should contrive to do so cried rigolette in a transport of joy and it is in the midst of the horrors of a prison and when all conspires to overwhelm me that such happiness germain could not conclude this thought reminded him of the reality of his position his scruples for a moment lost sight of returned more severe than ever and he said with despair but i am a prisoner i am accused of robbery i shall be sentenced dishonoured perhaps and i cannot accept of your generous sacrifice profit by your noble excitement oh no no i am not such a villain as that what do you say i may be sentenced to several years imprisonment well replied rigolette with calmness and firmness they shall see that i am an honest girl and they will not refuse to marry us in the prison chapel but i may be in prison at a distance from paris once your wife i will follow you and settle in the city where you may be i shall find work there and can see you every day but i shall be disgraced in the eyes of all you love me better than any one don't you can you ask me such a question then of what consequence is it so far from considering you as disgraced in my eyes i shall consider you as the victim of your own kind heart but the world will accuse condemn calumniate your choice the world are not you the world to me i to you so let it say as it may well quitting prison at length my life will be precarious miserable repulsed on all sides i may perhaps find no employment and then it is appalling to think but if this corruption which besets me should seize on me in spite of myself what a future for you you will never grow corrupted no for now you know that i love you this thought will give you the power of resisting bad examples you will reflect that if i'll repulse you when you quit your prison your wife will receive you with love and gratitude assured as she will be that you will still be an honest man this language astonishes you does it not it astonishes even myself i do not know whence i derive all i say to you from the bottom of my soul assuredly and that must convince you that is if you do not reject an offer made you most unreservedly if you do not desire to reject the love of a poor girl who has only germain interrupted rigolette with impassioned voice yes indeed i do accept i do accept yes i feel it i am assured it is sometimes cowardly to refuse certain sacrifices it is to avow oneself unworthy of them i accept them noble brave girl really really are you really in earnest i swear to you and you have too said something which greatly struck me and gives me the courage i want delightful and what did i say that for your sake i should in future continue an honest man yes in this thought i shall find strength to resist the detestable influences which surround me i shall brave contagion and know how to keep worthy of your love the heart which belongs to you oh germain how happy i am if i have ever done anything for you how you recompense me now and then observe although you excuse my fault i shall never forget it my future task will be double to expiate the past and deserve the happiness i owe to you for that i will do my best and as poor as i may be the opportunity will not fail me 
i am sure alas that is true for we always find persons more unfortunate than ourselves and if we have no money why we give our tears as i did for the poor morels and that is holy alms charity of the soul is quite equal to that which bestows bread you accept then and will never retract never never my love my wife my courage returns to me and i seem as though awaking from a dream and no longer doubt myself my heart would not beat as it does if it had lost its noblest energies oh germain how you delight me in speaking so how you assure me not for yourself but for myself so you will promise me now you have my love to urge you on that you will no longer be afraid to speak to these wicked men so that you may not excite their anger against you take courage when they saw me sad and sorrowful they accused me no doubt of being a prey to my remorse but when they see me proud and joyous they will believe their pernicious example has gained on me that's true they will no longer suspect you and my mind will be easy so mind no rashness no imprudence now you belong to me for i am your little wife at this moment the turnkey awoke quick said rigolette in a low voice and with a smile full of grace and modest tenderness quick my dear husband and give me a loving kiss on my forehead through the grating that will be our betrothing and the young girl blushing bowed her forehead against the iron trellis germain deeply affected touched with his lips through the grating her pure and white forehead oh what three o'clock already said the turnkey and visitors ought to leave at two come my dear little girl he added addressing the grisette it's a pity but you must go oh thanks thanks sir for having allowed us thus to converse alone i have given germain courage and now he will look livelier and need not fear his wicked companions make yourself easy said germain with a smile i shall in future be the gayest in the prison that's all right and then they will no longer pay any attention to you said the guardian here is a cravat i have brought for germain sir must i leave it at the entrance why perhaps you should but still it is such a very small matter so to make the day complete give him your present yourself and the turnkey opened the door of the corridor this good man is right and the day will be complete said germain receiving the cravat from rigolette's hands which he pressed tenderly adieu and to our speedy meeting now i am no longer afraid to ask you to come and see me as soon as possible nor i to promise you good-bye dear germain good-bye my dear girl wear the cravat for fear you should catch cold it is so damp what a pretty cravat and when i reflect that you knitted it for me oh i will never let it leave me said germain pressing it to his lips now then your spirits will revive i hope and so good-bye once more thank you sir and now i go away much happier and more assured good-bye germain farewell my dear little wife adieu a few minutes afterwards rigolette having put on her galoshes and taken her umbrella left the prison more joyfully than she had entered it during the conversation of germain and the grisette other scenes were passing in one of the prison yards to which we will now conduct the reader End of chapter eight read by celine major